It was a cruise ship, and the passenger who was seasick was bent over the railing. It was his third straight day of being severely seasick, and he was tossing his cookies for what felt like the billionth time when the captain walked by. And the captain saw this poor guy and went up, patted him on the back, and comforted him by saying, you hang in there, friend. No one has ever died of seasickness. And the ill passenger said, you just took away every hope I had. <laughs> We're talking about hope. We're in our third week in a series of just focusing in on hope. And hope is rising. You can just start to feel it when you come here uh, today. And I knew, I knew that it would be needed right now. I didn't know how or why. And, and sure enough, our community is about to go into a, a, a very, very tough time. Um, our, our young people uh, tomorrow uh, at the high school will be uh, there. Um, one of the young teenagers of our high school passed away yesterday in a tragic car accident. Uh, Kennedy Freese, I believe is pronounced. And, uh, and so tomorrow the school will be taking some time out. A bunch of the kids from the senior class will all be wearing her favorite color yellow and and this community is going to go through a tough time and our students are about to go through a tough time and sure enough right in the middle of this we're talking about hope and hope has the ability to shine very bright when it's very very dark in fact it's when it's the darkest that hope shines the brightest if you've been with us uh, the first week we talked about the idea that hope is not wishing hope is not positive thinking that's not what hope is but that hope is an anchor that holds us in place when the storms really start to blow. And when those times happen, you'll know that your hope is secure because it will go down real deep and be anchored down. The second week, we talked about struggling and pain. And that struggle and pain is a real thing. I don't want our people walking around going, you know, oh, everything's great when it's not great. If it's really, really bad, you should open up to somebody and tell them this is really, really bad right now. And yet we, we learned the power of the word yet. Yet has a very powerful thing. It has the ability to remind us that our story isn't over yet. And there's still a lot to come. It's harvest time now here in Lincoln. Uh, the large farming equipment going back by my house out in the country is numerous. I have to pull over several times to get home uh, for big equipment to go by. And, and it's an exciting time. Everybody loves the harvest. Here's something I love about farmers. When they were putting seed into an empty uh, lot a long time ago, their focus was on this fall. They, they, were, they had the ability to plant seed in the spring knowing that their whole future, they could focus that a field that is empty today will one day be full. And they loved thinking about a full field. And that's a little bit about what hope is about. Hope is to be able to see that something's empty right now can still be filled back up. Before this church was ever here, it was a big empty lot. And somebody, someone, looked at an empty lot and they could see a church there. And you're probably thinking, how can you see a church before it's even there? Oh, you, you can. In fact, if you can't see an empty lot and see a church there before it's there, then, then it will never be there. It takes somebody with some kind of vision to see it ahead of time. And I'm wondering as we start talking about hope, what your life would look like if it had hope in it today. What do you see? What would your life be like? I'm going to tap into several different stories today, but they all fit together in telling us how to get our hope back. 
First of all, let me go to the end of the book of Luke. There are two men. They have left Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified and where Jesus was buried. And they are on a road to Emmaus. They're going to Emmaus. They're going back home. And the Bible says that they had lost all hope. They, they had long faces. They were looking down at the ground. Their spirits were broken because they had really hoped that Jesus was the one. And while they're walking and they're in this depressed state, suddenly Jesus just appears and he's walking beside them. I mean, Jesus is absolutely hilarious in this story because for some reason they don't recognize that it's Jesus. Their eyes were prevented from seeing that it was really Jesus. And so Jesus is just walking beside them and Jesus just says, hey, what are y'all discussing? In, in my version, Jesus is Southern, by the way. Hey, what are y'all discussing? And, 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 and they're like, are you kidding me? If you're coming from Jerusalem, how do you not know what's going on in Jerusalem? For the last several days, the whole conversation in Jerusalem has been Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They've been talking about his death. They've been talking about those three hours of darkness while he was being crucified. They talked about the earthquake. They were talking about the temple veil being torn in two. They were talking about graves that were opened up. There's a missing body. There was visions of angels. I mean, the whole town was talking about Jesus. And here's Jesus walking around. They don't recognize him. And he's like, what, what are you all talking about? And suddenly, man, they, they, they're, Jesus in this very moment does something spectacular. It is part of the answer to getting our hope back. Jesus opens up God's word to them. There's something powerful about just going back to the word of God and opening it up and start getting a daily diet of what's inside here. It does unbelievable things inside your heart. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. And while they're walking and talking, this is how they describe their depressed state. We're in Luke chapter 24. Look at verse 19. Now they're talking to Jesus about Jesus. <laughs> he was a prophet. Oh, powerful in word and deed before God, all the people. But the chief priest and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. And then they crucified him. And we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. But now is the third day since all this took place. Boy, what a letdown for these poor people. We hoped he was the one, we hoped. But obviously we, our hopes are shattered now. Can't you just feel the depression in that statement? And that's when Jesus opens up the word to them and starts revealing to them who he really is. Don't you know your scriptures, he asked? And Jesus begins to show them different things. Long story short, all of a sudden, in this moment, their eyes are open. Suddenly, they realize who Jesus is. And then Jesus pulls the magic trick of all magic tricks. He just, poof, he's gone. And they're, now their joy temperature is so high, they can't contain it. They go running back to Jerusalem. They tell all of the followers. They're telling everybody, he's alive, he's alive. We just saw him. It is one of those amazing moments of where it's the Lord's presence and the Lord's word that all come together that just takes the thermometer of hope and just starts making that thing boil. Oh, there's other stories. Way back in the Old Testament, there's a prophet by the name of Ezekiel, and he is a, he's a mighty powerful prophet, but he's been preaching to Israel for years, and they haven't turned around. Israel's hope thermometer, by the way, has bottomed out. They are, they are, their hope is just dead. And here's Ezekiel, he's the preacher to them, and he can't get that hope temperature to come up. And now he's starting to feel down. 
and he's starting to feel depressed. So God shows up in a vision and takes Ezekiel to a valley. Your imagination has to really kick in today. It's a large valley, and the valley is filled with skeleton bones, human skeleton bones. It's just filled. filled. You might uh, imagine maybe there were two vast armies that collided there, and there was nobody left to, put the, to bury the dead. And so all those bones have been just baking in the sun for years and years and years, and there's nothing left but these bleached out, dry human bones. And they're scattered everywhere. And as Ezekiel's looking at this hopeless situation, God asked him, Son of man, can, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel, you can just see how depressed he is because he just simply, he just comes right out and he says, I don't know. He's like, only you know, Lord, I have no idea. And God is about to do something incredible. If you've never heard this story before, you're going to love this story. We're in Ezekiel chapter 37. Look at verse 4. Then the Lord said to me, prophecy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Hear what? The word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you. I will cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, There was a noise, a rattling sound. The bones started coming together, bone to bone. And then I looked, tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophecy to the breath. Prophecy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied it as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life. They stood up on their feet. It was a vast army. Oh, my goodness. Can you just imagine that moment looking at all these dead skeletons, and you're saying, okay, Come, come back to life. You're speaking the word of God to them. That's what you're telling them. Come on, dry bones. Come back to life. And all of a sudden, you start hearing a noise. Clunk, 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 clunk. Clatter, 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 clatter. Click, 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 click. <laughs> Ooh, I gave myself goosebumps. Look. I, no, I don't get goosebumps. My muscles have muscles, see? Can't you imagine? I mean, hearing bones coming back together. And as you watch these bodies pulling themselves back together, then all of a sudden, flesh starts going. There's muscles and there's tendons starting to grow on it. And then you start seeing veins starting to appear. And then in this grotesque state, all of a sudden, skin grows on them. But they're still just, they're just there in the dust. Now give them breath. Come on, prophesy breath to them. And so he says, the Lord says, you will breathe. And all of a sudden, it, it had been one uh, complete sound because it would all happen at the same time. All of a sudden, you would have heard, <gasps> and those lungs would have all filled up. And they would have sat up, and they would have stood up. And in this moment, Ezekiel gets so much hope in this moment 
that he goes back to Israel. He tells them of the entire encounter. Their hope thermometer starts to just boil. His hope thermometer starts rising. And before you know it, the entire community is experiencing this unbelievable hope. What just happened? Two principles just happened. Number one, it is the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord going at them. And number two, it is the presence of the Lord. Number two is the Lord himself is there. Those two principles coming together have the ability to get hope rising in our life. If you want to know, how do I get hope back in my life? It begins with you spending time with Jesus, talking with Jesus, listening to Jesus, hearing about Jesus, uh, reading about Jesus. This morning, if you're, if I, while I'm talking, you're like, I need to begin a diet of Jesus every day in my life because I want my hope back. I'm going to tell you where to start. Start in the book of Mark, start in the book of John, either one of those. Don't, don't start at the beginning. Everybody starts at the beginning, and very few people have the, the uh, stamina to get all the way through the Bible. I'd tell, I'm telling you, start in the Gospels. Start reading about Jesus. Take a small dose every day, and within a few weeks, you will start feeling your temperature starting to rise. Your hope thermometer will start going up. It's unbelievable when those two principles come together. And I could have just gone to any story over and over again. Another great story is the story of Lazarus. Most of you know the story well. He, he's been dead for four days. Jesus, uh, Jesus knew he was going to die. And Jesus told the disciples, we better go back. Lazarus, my good friend, is about to die, but I'm going to bring him back. And so when Jesus finally gets there, Lazarus' two sisters come running to Jesus. They're all broken they're hopeless. I mean, they've lost all hope. Jesus, if you'd only been here sooner, they said to Jesus. Jesus says, don't you believe in the resurrection? Martha says, oh, I know one day he'll be resurrected, but we needed you today. And Jesus says, oh, you're going to love this moment. This story's not over yet. And he looks at them and he tells them to roll back the stone of the grave. And their, their, their response is kind of humorous. <laughs> They said, don't open that tomb. Behold, he stinketh. And I'm betting he did. And Jesus says, roll back the stone. And then in front of this whole crowd of mourners, Jesus yells out, Lazarus, come forth. Most of you have heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again for the newcomers. Jesus has to call Lazarus out by name. If Jesus stands in any cemetery and says, come forth, every tomb opens up. So Jesus had to be very specific. Lazarus, I just want Lazarus right now. <laughs> you know, the rest of you, just wait. It's coming. But Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out alive, still wrapped in his grave clothes, but he was alive. What happened? The word of the Lord and the Lord's presence, those two pieces coming together. Listen, maybe you came today hoping for some deep and theological answer to the question of how you get your hope back. The, the, the answer is not difficult, and the answer isn't that hard. In fact, it's been so easy for so long, it used to appear on bumper stickers. Jesus is the answer. You remember those bumper stickers? What do you know? What weak theology, and it's absolutely correct, Jesus is the answer. Do you know the answer today? Boy, if you know the answer to the big question, it... It changes everything for you. 
It was a long, long time ago. I'm not even sure it's on TV anymore. It used to be uh, the, the number one game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? You remember the show? It was in its first year, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Nobody had won the million, million dollars yet. They had had a couple people win a half a million, and then, and then they said, I'll take the half a million and leave. But nobody had gone for the million dollar mark yet. And then this guy came on. His name's John Carpenter, and that's him on the screen. And uh, he had gone all the way to the $500 mark without using one lifeline, not one. And then it's time for the big million-dollar question. And when he's asked the million-dollar question, uh, he says, I, I need a lifeline. I want to call my dad. And, and what happens next is amazing. If, if, if you haven't seen this part of, of the show, it's absolutely incredible. And people talked about it for a long time. But we're going to play it for you right now. Well, looks like we're go going for a million dollars. <laughs> I can't believe it. A million dollars and all your lifelines intact. You didn't need those stinking lifelines, did you? Well, let me just bring you up to date here. Please. If you miss, you'll be reduced by $468,000. You'll go back down to $32,000. Uh, here it is. A $1 million question. We rarely see these here. Only one of the contestants ever won $500,000 on our show. So if you're ready, let's go for the million. Which of these U.S. presidents appeared on the television series Laugh-In? Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, Jimmy Carter, Gerald Ford. Um, <laughs> I'd like to call my parents right now. Sure. Use my lifeline, call my parents. What are their names? Uh, um, my father. I'll talk to my father. Does Tom. he have a name? Tom. He does okay. have a name, yes. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> All right. Our friends at AT&T will get uh, your dad on the line. And we'll see if he can help you. Hello? Hello, Tom. Yes? Hi, Regis Philbin here from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Hi. We've got uh, your son, John, uh, with us right now. He's doing pretty well. Good. He's won a half million dollars. Wow. And he's going for a million dollars. <laughs> and he needs your help to get there. Okay. So he's going to come on the line, read a question, four possible answers. One of them is the right answer. And uh, the next voice you hear will be John's. John, you've got 30 seconds. Starts right now. Uh, hi, Dad. Hi. Uh, I don't really need your help, but I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to win the million dollars. Uh, because the U.S. president appeared on Laughing is Richard Nixon. That's my final answer. Well, my gosh. What can I say except, Debbie, you're going to Paris, and this is the final answer heard all around the world. He's won a million dollars. Isn't that awesome? I want to talk to my dad. Oh, there's something, boy, that, that pulls out a heartstring in a big way. I know the answer. Today, the Heavenly Father would love to hear that you know the answer as well, too. God knew we'd need hope. He knew that. That's why he gave us Jesus. And Jesus knew he was the spring of all living hope. He knew that. 
So he knew he was the answer. The only question this morning is, do you want the answer? It's the big, big question. Get the answer right and hope really begins to start rising. Jesus said this in John chapter 7, verse 37, 38. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. And let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Oh, that's what I want. I just want a spring of hope and a spring of living water flowing out of me. And all along, it was just a simple question with a simple answer. Jesus. It's all you need. If you have him, you already have hope inside of you. And if you allow him to, he'll start raising the thermometer of hope in your life. Hope is rising. It's rising in our community. It's rising in this church, and it's rising inside of us. And this next week, it's going to be really, really hard for a family, and it's going to be really, really hard for our school, and it's going to be really, really hard for a bunch of students. And they need to know that there is hope in this world. You know the answer if you get a chance to tell anybody. 